Welcome back to B-Sides Boxing. Thank you for joining us wherever you might be listening. Let's get right into the show. I'm joined today by the homies RG and Orod, as always. I wanted to get started with, I wanted to bring the heat right in the beginning. Mikey Garcia retires, officially. I know you both have uh, conflicting opinions. So, uh, do we want to flip a coin, or how do we want to do this? Who wants to go first? Or I can, or I can go first. All right. He can, he can, pre- he can present the defense of Mikey Garcia. Okay. He's pulling an eight mile on me right now. <laughs> you basically just had to let that bitch go first. <laughs> this is what I'm gonna start out with. Mikey, the last three years or so, I feel has been disrespected ever, pretty much ever since he took the challenge to Spence, but. Anyone honestly could just say that that was just a money chase, and after that he just got the the, the zone check. So he was pretty much just mentally checked out for a sport he's never even cared for. That that's one thing I want to start put it out there first. Like he's been open about never caring about anything about boxing. He pretty much just got in it because his family was in it. Dude always wanted to be a pig or a cop, yeah. whichever one you want to go with. Yeah, during his layoff, he was uh, pursuing his criminal justice degree. Yeah, and like for a dude that never had passion for the sport to do what he did, I would say he's probably like one of the top 10 guys from the 2010s. Like, I would have ranked him that high pound for pound from that decade. In terms of resume, the way he performed, and just overall aspect of everything. Like, he started off winning his first belt against Toledo, who was coming off the big wins versus Juan Ma Lopez. And he pretty much dominated Toledo until he got his nose broken. And then he got a little rough, but he still managed to get the win there. And then top rank doing what top rank does, just gave him, like, a nice showcase fight at I believe it was in Texas against Juan Ma Lopez, and he absolutely destroyed him. <clears throat> I remember the memes afterwards where Juan Ma was pretty much laid out like he was laying on the cross, pretty much asleep. Then weight issues started to trickle up on him. He went up, destroyed, uh, what was the name? Rocky Martinez. Rocky Martinez. I couldn't tell if it was Roman or Rocky, but yeah, Rocky, Rocky Martinez. That's a top-ranked yeah. soldier right there. Yeah, he pretty much just got fed to every top-ranked guy coming up. And then from there, the wind's name is kind of cooled off, but I want to say he pretty much followed the Loma buildup, but before those guys even got shot, or were further shot. He came back, he had a soft touch, that his first comeback fight after the top-ranked lawsuit. Then he went straight to the WBC 135 champion. And his name is... him. pretty much iced him. What was that, like round two? Round three, I was there for that one. The uh, one, the, the one guy, these the one fan from uh, Montenegro was not too far away from me. He was very hurt. <laughs> Shout out all the Montenegrin listeners. Andorra Thanks. is in the fucking building. Thanks. We thought we love all Americans y'all. Don't even, Americans don't even listen to our shit. It's fucked up. We got Tanzania. We'll, we don't need them. We'll get it if we start talking like NFL comparisons. <laughs> we'll get the Americans to come in. Is it uh, my turn? Uh, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And then, I know Slatichin wasn't highly ranked, but he still had a belt at 135. Then he just decided to say, fuck it. He goes, to Adrian Broner at 140, 
And pretty much, I had the way, I had a fight scored 118, 110. I didn't think Broner did much till the very end, which is pretty much the same formula for every one of his fights. He stays there, he faces Olympic Nets for the IBF title. I thought he looked very good. I, I didn't know if his power would carry and even match to stop him, or not stop him, drop him on a good trading hook shot where both of them landed, but he ended up putting Olympic Nets on his ass. He drops back down, takes another belt at 135 versus Robert Easter. And then that's where it kind of got mucky just because there was like no one else politics getting in the way of the 135 unification with Loma since he was already there. I think he already had that WBA and WBO, but nothing came of it. And that's when he started with the whole, I see something is spent and moved up, took the money and then he was just mentally checked out. There was also the talks of him taking Pacquiao as well. Like he was dropping hints in the media. <laughs> there was that scene that like that like British lady had him in like the car, and he was clearly trying to flex. And but he was like, "Yeah, Pacquiao fight's done. Manny fight. We're fighting Pacquiao." Yeah. <laughs> and then like a month later, like Pacquiao Spence was announced. Oh yeah, Pacquiao can't fight Spence. He has to fight me. He's fighting me next. <laughs> okay. To be fair, Pacquiao has like eight different people that supposedly run his career, so. He probably could have had that fight done with one of those guys, because I know Ryan done that. A whole bunch of other fighters have claimed to have the Pacquiao fight done. Khan, I think Brooke even mentioned he has the fight done at one point. Pacquiao just has so many people on his team, I think. I think he has trouble saying no. <laughs> just agreeing to fight everyone. Yeah. But yeah, the floor is yours. One little thing on uh, Zlatichinin is, at the time, we know now that he's not you know, he, his career hasn't really panned out very well since that stoppage. But in the time leading up to that, he was on a hot little run with a, with a good knockout streak. So he had that little quote-unquote boogeyman flair going for him, if that makes a difference. Yeah, it was short-lived, but there was. I, I do remember it was kind of like that around that time. Well, well, well. How the turntables. Mikey Garcia. I just want to set some like parameters. There's a certain floor for Mikey. He's obviously very good. He's not like a hype job. Like, I, I don't know, Chris Colbert or something. Like he just ended up being no good. It, that's not really the case. But like, and he was pound for pound at one for sure. Like he was one of the 10 fighters you would you would have to put there. I don't know if he was like, some people had him like top five. I think it's a little bit retarded. I don't know if that was ever totally justified, but he was a pound for pound talent. But like, what did he really do with his career? It's like kind of how I feel about it. 10 years from now, what will people look back on? He was the fourth guy to be Broner. Like, that was cool. He knocked out, like, some paper champ at Lightweight. Like, he beat Robert Easter. It's a lot of okay wins. For a guy with, like, 40 wins, four-division champion, he has no he has no defining win. Like, there is no one fight I watched where I was like, oh, this is I'm, I'm sold on Mikey. He's he's super elite. It's just a lot of, like, yeah, that was a good performance. Yeah, that was a good performance. That's just, that's how I feel about Mikey in general. Like, yeah, he would dominate a lot of the guys. Like, I guess if you're fighting weak competition, you might as well dominate him. I don't know. I, I didn't think he ever had like the flashiest style, which a lot of people. A big thing with Mikey, people like he mastered the fundamentals. Like he just understands the fundamentals so well. Like he's he's mechanically perfect, and that's true. But like I think that just exposed him super hard when he stopped fighting guys. He just wasn't more talented than. I'm like Spence. Okay, like we'll just start Spence out of the equation. He was never going to beat Spence. But that's just not even considered. Let's look at. In my opinion, the undoing of Mikey RC was Jesse Vargas. I kept that opinion like pretty hidden for a while, but after he lost to Sandor Martin, I was like, all right, there is a full license to shit on this one. He looked fucking awful in that Vargas fight. Awful. 
he, he, he easily lost the first like three, four rounds just from Vargas doing that like pussy ass jab that he does like every fight. Like this super elite pound for pound time, like didn't know what to do. And he ends up dropping him. He wins the fight. But even at the end, I feel like that he got back into the rhythm of him just not responding to a jab. It's just like, all right. What was the prime of Mikey Garcia? He didn't really seem to care before the break. He didn't really seem to care after the break. So why should I care? That's, how, that's just kind of how I feel about Mikey. If he doesn't care, I don't fucking care. You know? Like, he, he pursued some big fights, I guess, and he made them happen. But were they fun to watch? No. They weren't fun to watch at all. And I, I don't know what his legacy is. Like, I, I really don't. Like, will he go to the Hall of Fame? 100%. 100% will go to the Hall of Fame. But is he going to be a guy that, like, 10 years from now, people will have him as their, like, profile picture? No. He's not, he's not one of those guys. Like, he's just forgettable. Good fighter, overrated. Hope he enjoys retirement. And gets, well, never mind. <laughs> That's all I'll say about mine. I just overrated. But, you know, good fighter. Hope the price he retired. Good luck to him. This is where I'll kind of rebuttal some of that. I'll say his prime was, I'll go from 2013 through 2018. And then I know a lot of people didn't, depending on the age, didn't start getting into boxing past like 2017. So not many people really seen him in his prime, but like all the fighters I, I could name off, Solito, Juanma, Martinez, Burgos, Flatichinen, Broner, Lipinet. What's up, Doc? All those guys, I'd say he probably lost a minute at maximum, maybe six rounds out of all those, in all those fights. Like that's how dominant he was. Like. I always thought he had like some of the best fighting IQ. He was defensively sound, and he was just—he just did everything right. Never really had crazy power, but when he connected, just because of how how fundamental he was, he pretty much would turn anyone's lights out. And he did do that during the top ranked days. And I think that's where it hurt him the most was that time off because of the top ranked lawsuit. That was nearly what like three years of being out. Yeah. So. He kind of lost a lot of those prime years right there and probably lost a lot of the drive. I didn't even want to touch on the Jesse Vargas fight. <laughs> you can't pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> but I'm like, Jesse yeah, Vargas is, is a big guy. Like I thought for, for Mikey and then like Vargas does what he does. He usually comes out strong the first four or five rounds and then he just fades away. And I thought Mikey, after he dropped him, Vargas never looked good at, at all like i just thought his legs wobbling he was hurt he was just bouncing around bouncing around and he survived to the bell i mean vargas is big like relative to mikey but i feel like jesse doesn't usually fight big or if he tries to it's not successful but he had success with it against mikey just anytime you're like this elite pound for pound guy you move up to it and to be fair it's his fifth way like shit happens it's not like one it's not like he was a one division champion or something but when you're borderline useless in a new way, it's just like, damn. Like, that, that's, a, that's a little bit of a bad thing. You can go, you can go to 140 and be the best in the world, and then go to 147, you're, you're barely top 10. Like, it's just it's just a bad look. Like, he, he just went through a lot of divisions when, when I felt like they were kind of weak, to be honest. I mean, Salido, like, that was a good win. Like, early Mikey was fun. He was a destroyer. But he was fighting guys who were going to get destroyed most of the time. If Mikey came up in an era with a Shakur Stevenson or, like, a Gervonta Davis, something like that, I mean, I, I just don't know. I don't know that he would be as regarded as highly. It seems like it was kind of a drought, and, like, Mikey was, like, you know, he was, like, the one He was like the one bright spot, yeah, in, in just kind of a weak era for 126, 130, 135. And the way I would say that is, like, pretty much 
I think his resume between 126 to 135 was a bit better than Lomachenko's, who I don't rank it too highly either, but like at this time that we're in right now, like I say, people still rate Lomachenko highly. They still say that he's been one of the pound for pound guys of the last decade, when I feel like Mikey Garcia had a better resume and better better performances in that time span versus either same guy or tougher guys. And he did one thing that Loma never really did was move up and wait when there was like nothing out his current division. Oh, I thought you were going to say beat Solito. But y'all don't say that. Or that too. He didn't <laughs> lose to the Uber driver. And landlord. <laughs> he's, a, he's a condo owner in Phoenix. Oh, politician too. I forgot. He was like a senator somewhere in Mexico. Uh, Shout out Orlando Solito. <laughs> anyway, fuck Mikey Garcia. Even talking about it makes me bored. Uh, I wanted to end with one thing. Who would you pick head-to-head prime years? Mikey Garcia, Vasil Lomachenko. Garcia. Garcia. I would too. God damn! During the time that that was the hottest topic relative to, you know, smaller weights. It would just be the Tiafimo fight. Loma would just get scared and, like, throw away a decision. Pretty much. All right. Let's get into our very very long list of very important stuff to recap. There's a lot of very big fights. Big time. Kosei Tanaka stops Masayoshi Hashizume. If you don't like obscure Japanese small guys, then uh, fast forward about, I'm going to say, just about a minute. Uh, Kosei Tanaka, we were just watching it before you got here. Uh, Kosei Tanaka looked like himself. I called him a diet. Roman Gonzalez comes forward with pressure, good punch combinations and selection, placement. Um, but he's still a little uh, sloppy on defense. Let's segue into Bam Rodriguez beating Strisaketz or Rungasai. Because uh, Kosei Tanaka doesn't beat Bam Rodriguez. I, I don't even know what weight Tanaka's at, to be honest. 15. Oh, is he? Yep. No, is he? He's not a champ, though. No. No, okay. he's been around, though, for a yeah. little bit. Yeah, I thought he was like a champ, so I was thinking he'd get a lower weight. So, Bam yeah, Rodriguez man. stops uh, Srisaket Sorangvisai in seven. Uh, there was already people were looking ahead, thinking like he's going to get put in with Estrada, Gonzalez, etc., and he's probably going to beat them, too. And so there's already this talk of going to be pound for pound number one. That type of boxing fan that, uh, kind of like me, I'll admit, that uh, watches the weight, lower weight classes, kind of keeps a, a good eye on it. And so you'll rate them highly, but most people don't know who you're talking about, let alone who their competition was. So yeah, let's temper our expectations here. These guys have aged like milk, and Bam Rodriguez is going to sweep them. I think this was something you were saying, RG. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that. It, the more things have been, I, I don't know that Bam is actually gonna fight either of those. At least not next. Kind of seems like he'll go back to 112. And let his brother kind of finish the, finish the job. I don't really think his brother's very good though, so that, that could backfire. Like the yeah, ideal storyline, trying to beat his brother and then he moves up to to get you know revenge. That would be the, the good way to position it well maybe Frank L will, will beat Estrada I, I don't know maybe they're just so washed that even he can do it if he if even Franco can do it then Bam would fucking kill so we'll just see but yeah I mean there's still decent fights at 112 for Bam there's another Japanese dude there I can't remember his name uh, Junto Nakatani I guess is yeah Nakatani. yeah Nakatani yeah that's who yeah 
like they might be interested in the, the ring as Nakatani fight. I don't know who Nakatani's with. I don't know if he's like his own, or if that would be like easy to make. But but yeah, I kind of think he'll move. It's a little bit lame. 112 is definitely like a way smaller profile division than 15, but whatever. I mean, Bam is like unbelievable. So I think, you know, regardless of where he fights, he's worth watching. Nakatani is with uh, Taken, so he can work with whoever. They have a good relationship with Matchroom and Golden Boy. That's yes. pretty much who Lenard was for a good part of his career. Yeah. It's always really confused me that Lenard like, lives in Japan. <clears throat> yeah, uh, when I did an interview with him a while back, and uh, his Japanese is much better than his English. Yeah, like, it, it, just everything about that is like, bizarre to me. <laughs> like, it's cool. It seems like he you know, has a lot of friends there, like, has a good time. But I'm just, like, wondering, when did you decide, like, you know what? I'm just going to move to fucking Japan. Wasn't he, like, a teenager? He just decided, like, up and move because he thought that that was going to be better for his career. Better than living in Venezuela. <laughs> He's, like, 99. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, 99% of people are like, I'll go to America to be serious about boxing. He's like, eh, I'll just go to Japan. I think because he's a lighter weight and uh, taken. I guess so, but he's still he's still bigger than like most Japanese fighters. I feel like there's more. Like, how, what weights did Lenar start at? One twenty-two. Wow. That makes I don't know. He started. Did you know? Uh, I think I brought this up before. Did you know? Not on the podcast. Did you know Mario Barrios started at one twenty-two? Really? Yeah, I remember seeing photos of him like skinny, skinny. Yeah, like when he first debuted, he was one twenty-two, and then like two. <laughs> Massive girl spray jumps like cowboy costumes. He's pretty much had a Rodman where he just spread it out. Yeah. It's pretty. It was, I, I haven't seen any pictures of what he looked like. It must be pretty bizarre. Yeah, we kind of got off topic yeah, we, of the band. <laughs> we did. Everyone thinks there's really not much to say. Don't fucking smoke everybody below like 118. So, and even most people want it. We'll just see what happens. Yeah, 115 is say. Uh, he's pretty much just saying fuck HBO and they're super flies. I think he's just going to go one by one knocking them all out. It's not going to happen to Estrada because I won't let it. I'll be on the rafters looking through the scope. Pulling a sting just coming down. <clears throat> like the, everything about Superfly that doesn't involve them is like confusing. Cause it was like Estrada and Rodriguez were supposed to rematch. And then the Franco fight got ordered. And then it seemed like they were going to rematch anyway. And then it seems like the Franco fight's gonna happen. So, I mean, who the fuck knows? Maybe Estrada and Gonzalez will fight again. They'll just avoid the, what the young guns. Estrada is 0 2. Yeah, one basically. One. On paper, is 1 and 1. But... Yeah. Uh, I guess, I guess you know, it's still uh, like the biggest name fight you could do at 115. My, my hot take still is uh, Estrada won the first fight. Uh, I've been peddling that one for years. Nobody uh, cares. Yeah, just because it's a lower division, no one really ever bothered to look into it unless you're like a Ring Magazine nerd. Okay, well, let's move down that card one to the co-main. Akhmedalia stops Ronnie Rios in the 12th to keep his, what does he have, IBF and WBA? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it looks fine. This is a standard Akhmedalia performance, I think. I thought he looked pretty good. Yeah, his yeah. body shots are looking nasty. Yeah, I'm surprised Ronnie was able to last that long with how badly he was getting worked downstairs. And that was one thing that bothers me. Like, I know there's some that were low, but that the refs that don't let body punchers work low, like anything that's even 
top of the belt line, they're already warning them about something. Let them work. Was that ref bad? Because, I mean, it was in Texas where they, they'll let you straight up kill the guy and they don't care. It depends if you're the popular money guy, but I don't think any of these guys are that. Anything in Akhmedaliev's game that gives you pause about Fulton beating him pretty easily? Not really, no. He just saying, I don't uh, think he's like anything too special. He's just really competent, you know? Yeah. Like his style is a little bit unique. Like it's, so that is a little bit special about him, I guess. He's not really like a standard. I wouldn't really consider him. I mean, I don't know. The Uzbeks are a little weird. So maybe he's, he's kind of a standard Uzbek style. You know, they're not really what I would associate with like general, like Eastern Bloc, like stereotype. But I mean, he's okay. I just think he's too small. And I feel like he, a lot of the time, he sort of gets the spring on guys, which is why he's able to land like really weird angled punches and hurt him. I just don't think he's going to do that against Fulton if that fight happens. I just don't think. I just think he'll get jabbed all night. I don't know if he has an answer for that necessarily. I think it'll be similar to the Figueroa fight. I think Fulton will do just enough to get the victory, but I don't think it's going to be a landslide or something where it's just an easy night's work. I think he'll make him work for it at least. But it'll be like a 116-112 type of decision. Well, even if America doesn't ride for us, I'm riding for America. Colton stops him in one. <laughs> uh, that's, the, that's the best time. I do think it would be pretty easy. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I think that would I be just... very entertaining. Akhmedaliev, like you said, he's very, he's technically competent in keeping with what we were talking about. He might be a little bit of a of a mesh between blending of like Mikey Garcia and uh, like Lomachenko-ish footwork, that Ukrainian Eastern Bloc type of finesse. He definitely got that weird sort of like footwork, for sure. He was putting on some good angles on Ronnie. Like, that's how he was digging the... Like, I would like to know if uh, Ronnie Rio still has kidneys. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I like the way they've developed him, though. They fast-tracked him. He fought Roman like seven fights in. So I respect that, you know. Yeah. He's been pretty... Was he, well, he's not the, He's not really old, but he's not young. You know, so like they kind of realized, like, we think this guy has the goods. It might be time to, to push him. Anything more to add, Orad? Want to sing Akhmedaliev's praises? He's there and he does what he does, but he's nothing special, but he's not shit either. I think 1.2 slowly reviving itself to what it once was, well, I want to say like a decade ago. It's not as shit as it was, I want to say, when Top Rank was leading the way at 122. Uh, let's move on here. Let's see. Joe Joyce stops Christian Hammer, and he looked like shit. Does Joe Joyce have the goods to win a world title? A real one? No. Unless he gets an easy fight now. If the belts get spread out like Dragon Balls after someone vacates, then maybe. But if he's facing Fury, AJ, or Usyk, I don't see it. His like defining moment is like Dubois, where like he got lit up half the time and just like brute force like a prospect. I'm just like, so what? He's gonna walk down to Usyk next because he walked down Dubois, who like can't block a jab. Like I, I don't think that's very likely. Like unless, he, if you match um, Joyce versus guys who are like not gonna get out of the way of him and are just gonna let him like snowball, then like yeah, he'll probably be most of them. Like he would destroy like White. I have like no doubt. Like, even, like, they were going to do the fight with him and Parker. I mean, I would have picked Parker in that fight, to be honest with you. Anyone that can, like, pick away at him and, like, has some, some speed, I think has a pretty good chance of beating Joyce. Hammer was having some moderate success sticking and moving in the first, like, one or two rounds, but 
then he gassed out. Uh, I just say Joseph Parker the last three or four years has been complete doo-doo. Watch the swear word. <laughs> it's more like a style thing than like me thinking Parker's very good. I just think like even if the fighter isn't good, if like the style is hard enough, Joyce won't have answers. He just seemed like a very creative fighter. Like, he, it's not like he ever adjusted in the Dubois fight. He just like kept doing it until it worked. Like going off the rankings right now and then doing a hypothetical where all the belts get vacated. It would either be George Joyce versus Parker for the WBO or Joyce and Wilder for the WBC. And I think 100% they take the Parker fight because if he fought Wilder, even if he's older now, Joyce isn't younger. I think they might even be the same age. Yeah, they're about the same. Wilder would probably knock him out somewhere in the mid to late round. It's also just like a way, way less realistic fight. Like, I, don't, I don't think anybody gives a fuck to see why. I mean, it would be a good fight, but I don't think there's any like demand for it. Well, if Water you want to see a, another Brazil-style massacre, which I do. I'd be all for that, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I just think Joyce, cause he's that, he's that moron as manager, Sam Jones. So I definitely think Sam Jones, like, makes some insane demands and, like, tank that fight. The thing the, that I didn't like was the defense of Joyce saying that he didn't really respect the power, so he was just eating shots to eat shots, but... I just feel like that's been a constant in all most of his fights. I honestly think there's a higher chance that he would like rematch Dubois than he would fight for a title, to be honest. Uh, let's see. Zolani Tete beats Jason Cunningham. Um, is Tete back? Is Cunningham <laughs> worth anything? That was just so random. That was like a sky card, right? I don't know. I, don't, I think TT's pretty awful. He got knocked. Didn't he get knocked out in the first round by Kassim? It was like round one, right? Three. Oh, it was a three? Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of like, I don't know. If you're getting like, I think TT's been shinned all before, right? Uh, stopped in five in 2010. By Mithalane, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's probably one of the, the better, um, he's probably one of the better Bantamweights. Bantamweights just an awful division, so it doesn't really mean anything. Uh, he's at 22 oh. now. Yeah, this oh, one was at 122 now. That's strange. Yeah, I don't really so know. Those were a lot of those like ABC Mickey Mouse titles too, with like the WBO International something belt, the IBF International Phantom belt. Yeah, that, that actually. So, <laughs> I really, I really don't know. Like, why, why did Sky like even pursue t- like Tete? Like, he, he, he has no fan base in the West. Like, I, I don't really BT understand. Sport. Oh, it's BT. Okay, yeah, that's that makes more. BT is like more known to just like sign complete randoms that have like no fan base, like Avanesian. So that's that's more their speed for sure. I don't know. It seems very random. It seems like he's never gonna get a fight anyone cares to watch. And the fact that he was main event, it's like in the it was in the UK too, right? Yeah. Like, did they, maybe they thought Cunningham was gonna beat him? Like, was that the plan? I think so. Man, man, yeah, I guess maybe that. And then Tete just like destroyed him. So maybe they just accidentally revived Tete's career. It was, I it was, it was on the undercard of the Joyce fight. Yeah. No, it was a main event. Was it? Yep. Joe Joyce was bugging? the main event of this. Oh, okay. I thought he got his own card. Okay. Well, that's more it. That it's would be fan. awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The it to main event Wembley with that kind of fight. <laughs> Before I, was BT, before I realized it was BT, to be fair, Boxer puts on like some very random cards. Like some cards you're like, surely this has a So it, it kind of seemed up their alley as far as like random matchups and main events goes. But I don't know. Shout out to Tetsu. I remember 
them like talking about how Cunningham was like on a seven fight winning streak. So I'm guessing that's why they got Titty yeah. to kind of be like a step up, no name at the division kind of fight, but he ended up getting slept. Uh, yeah, he lost to Nikki Conlon, everyone's favorite. <laughs> that should tell you everything right there. Yeah. Well, let's leave this pit of despair into another one. Myris Bredis loses to Jai Opataya, excuse me, from Australia for the IBF Cruiser title. It, it was two eight to fours, one seven to five. Is Opataya a legit contender in a historically weak division? Yeah, shit, he's a champ now, isn't he? Yep. <laughs> he's beyond contender, I guess. I just think Cruiserweight. Like, nobody cares. You know what I mean? Like, I literally didn't even know this fight was happening until I, like... I think I just happened to check the, like, boxing calendar one day, and I, like, saw that Brutus was fighting. And then I just turned it on, like, halfway through, because it was on at, like, 9 in the morning, like, U.S. time. And, yeah, I mean, Brutus just looked old. He looked completely shot. So, shout-out to Open... Uh, what, what did you say? Opataya? Is that how it's... Opataya? Yeah. Oh, Opataya. Okay, yeah. Oh, shout-out to Opataya. He's a younger guy, I guess, 26, 27, something like that. 27. So, you know. It's good to see. I just think it's funny, like, Cruiserweight to Division. It'll be like a fight you didn't know was happening versus a guy you've never heard of. <laughs> it's like, yeah, this is like the new guy at Cruiserweight. Okay. Cruiserweight's always been a division where it's anyone's race. Like, anyone could upset anyone, if you even want to call it an upset at any time. And, like, Obataya, I thought he did pretty good. I think Reeves just struggled because he didn't know how to handle the southpaw. And then yeah. I thought he kind of closed the fight pretty, pretty strong, but... It was just a little bit too little, too late. We've, we've had like one actual good fighter at Cruiserweight in the last like 30 years. So, <laughs> I guess that pretty much tells yeah. you about Breedis, like, I don't know. He's, He's all right. kind of just seems like, like, I don't want to say a waste of talent because I never thought he was like elite or anything like that. But he had wins <laughs> over Glowowski and then, uh, what's his name, Dortico. Yep. To be fair, like that, his whole run, like, ever since he lost to Usyk, he's just been like bizarre. Like he's just been like, like he looked finished versus Gabor in the first round of the second WBSS. That like German dude, looked completely finished, got a robbery decision. And then he just fucking MMA, fucking Matt Brown, like elbows Glocky in the mouth, gets a knockout. He did beat Dordicos Fair, so I mean, credit. But I, it was clear his days were coming, I think. I didn't necessarily he think this be. was to do it, but his days were coming. My main problem with Breedis was he was a champ and like he was probably the most known champ at the time and for the last two years he's been like chasing Jake Paul. This guy, Mario, begging me for fights. Like I think he even went to the point where he got a tattoo trying to call him out and I'm like this is just fucking sad for the champ to be chasing around a celebrity fight. Like what the fuck man. He's just a strange dude overall. Like I just, he's just a very weird guy. Just does very weird things. He dressed up as Mario or whatever. Just a, just a weird guy. I don't know. To be fair to him, like what, what should he work towards it? Like cruiserweight, like the Okoli fight. Like, this is the only thing resembling any fight. I think Okoli's his best shot at. Well, I guess besides Jake Paul, but yeah, Okoli's pretty much the only thing that's any money in there. Kovalev maybe, Badu Jack. Kovalev being a cruiserweight is like very recent though. Yeah. Uh, I think he's only one. But that, that wasn't really, yeah, that wasn't really on the radar for most of his reign. So I wonder how much they made from the the World Boxing Super Series. Probably made a couple million, like, like three, four million, maybe more than that. I don't know. It's kind of hard because I'm trying to think. I remember reading an article that 
it was for the 140 tournament. It had Progray and Taylor's purses. I want to think. I want to think Progray was getting like a million guaranteed, and then like if he won, he got like 500,000 on some like UFC shit. I don't know if it was less for cruiserweight. Very good chance it was less for cruiserweight, but I would guess a few million from that from those two tournaments. I can't remember too if there was like reports that a lot of the fighters were getting paid pretty late during after the second season. Even the first season, Progray nearly didn't fight Taylor because he wasn't getting paid. Good stuff. Oh, because the uh, first tournament was like what cruiserweight, and then uh, then they had the 140, then the 118. Yeah, two cruisers, uh, 168, 118, and 140. Oh That's yeah, I forgot 168. Yeah, I did too. That, that one was really awful. It had like Jurgen Brommer and shit. It was like 46. That that was easily the worst tournament they ever done. 168, 100%. I mean, I guess it had like if you're like a UK boxing fan, I guess it's, it had like Smith, Rose, Eubank. But yeah, if you're like a young Oliver that loves all these kind of guys, <laughs> you're. That's us. I say, make the ball. Excuse my language. Like the scene. <laughs> Just seeing the names, fucking Jamie Cox, Chris Eubank Jr., Groves, fucking Caleb Smith, you're you're in heaven with that. The only enjoyable was Groves uh, clowning Eubank. That was pretty funny to watch. That was unfortunate. I was hoping Groves would be silenced. I always kind of like Groves. I don't really know why. Like, as far as UK, maybe it's because he was such a dick to Frotch. Anyone yeah. that like really Frotch is kind of. Seems a little more likable, in my opinion. Well, you gotta be a pretty decent guy for us to cheer I'm gonna be honest, I was cheering for Eubank for that, but. And I also lost some money on that fight, so. <laughs> it's just amazing. Album. Just on a little tangent, you can cut this out if you want. But it's just amazing that, the, like, Grubb's beating him so easily. Like, he yeah. literally didn't like, to try. And then, when, even when his arm went out, it was like, oh shit. Like, he just looked It's Eubank's arm. Yeah, he still couldn't even touch him. Like, Grubb's was still, like, jabbing him up with one. Uh, speaking of uh, British people no one gives a shit about, Callum Johnson, Igor McCalkin. I didn't watch it, so I don't can't tell you what happened. But it happened, so there you go. I don't even, yeah, I, I can't tell you nothing. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's move right past <laughs> this. Previews we got this weekend. We have, let's start with the fun one. Chizora Pulev 2. Hoo-hoo, this is the good stuff. Uh, I mean, it's just like they're both so like shitty and dusty and washed. That you really can't say anything so confidently. I have to imagine who will win. Chisora is just pitiful. Quite <laughs> the horrible, horrible fight. Who loves How? How is? Why is Chisora still fighting? Dude, because British people were fucking stupid. Like, <laughs> he really lost like so many fights, and like in our chat, like people would just lose their minds. So, like, I just love Chisora. Just such a great personality. It's like I mean, he's just a fucking schizo. Like he's just a dude with <laughs> clear brain damage. He says weird shit and loses every fight. What was like, the I really about him giving a cheeseburger to Ushik before their fight? Yeah, that was just like another like. Or I think it was after the fight. Like I, for I think he did it with Parker too. That was just a gimmick he did. Well, he had like cheeseburgers. And you know them bitches were cold. Like you know he already had them prepared. Like Usyk had to eat that cold ass burger. I told a story. I think it was today or yesterday. Like in the room where I remember when I was like really really getting into like boxing. Like I wanted to expand from watching HBO Showtime card. This was like 2013, 2013. 14, 12, one of those years. And I keep seeing like all this hype for a Derek Chisora fight. I'm like, I never heard of this dude, but the way everyone's talking about him, I'm like, this shit's gonna be a war. 
I tune in, it just goes like 12 straight rounds or 10 rounds. I think it was like Calvin Johnson, something like that. Like one of the worst fights I've ever seen. And I'm like, who, why the fuck were people hyping this guy up so much? And then of course the next fight after that is the Tyson Fury fight, which is equally as shit. Ever since then, I just hate, yeah, I just hate this man. I'm like, people always hype up his fights just because of his outside antics. So I'm like, at this point, he's just like the British Adrian Broner out heavyweight i was just gonna say that the people like they love his antics and how how much he acts up but then they'll in the next breath they'll shit on adrian broner for being a just as much of a dumbass for you know for the sake of promotion and just for the record broner is like 100 times fun like a (laughs) hundred times he is absolutely like broner is legitimately like one of the funniest people i've ever seen like in in the world of boxing he's fucking hilarious like, Chisora is just like a goofball. Like, it's fine. I don't necessarily hate Chisora, but, like, I feel like the people who are fans of Because, like, you, sh- you should clearly want this man to retire if you care about him. The only time I've ever found him funny was when he was shitting on the Progray-Taylor fight, like, at that press conference. That was pretty funny. <laughs> the, the issue with, with Chisora and why so many of his fights are bad is because it's, like, he's so easy to nullify for people who are, like, actually good at boxing that it either makes the fights hard to watch and then if you put him against somebody that he's like way better than, he's so sloppy that like half the time he can't even really press the advantage to beat him up. Like unless they're totally chinless like Price. Like if, if it's not someone like Price or Spilka who will just die to like when you get him against the ropes, then I mean it's going to be like, what's that? Was it Gashi? Is that the fight that's like, well, is this the worst Shizora fight where he just like falls him around into decision? Oh god, yeah. I hate that yeah, I like remember that. that. And that and that was like right either after or right before like the Caballero fight, which was like another just miserable Chisora fight where you just have the most like shit Euro level like mover and you just like completely befuddled Chisora. Like that really should have been the end. It's like, alright, this guy lost to some fucking German heavyweight that's never gonna do anything. Like it's over. But that was like six years ago. This motherfucker's still getting headlined. <laughs> Yeah, this is what I was going to say, Lump. I'm like, he's still headlining, even though he's coming off uh, three straight L's. I'm like, <laughs> the dude just... is, what, 40, 38 years old? Like, I think, yeah, I think he's, like, pushing for it. He's, like, 38 or 39. 38. <laughs> it, ugh, it just, I can't help but laugh, because I remember some quotes that are brought into the into Discord from the boxing subreddit. And a lot of them are talking about how uh, the U.S. era is over. U.K. boxing is on top. <laughs> this is your headliner. <laughs> this is who you're putting up as your headline. Yeah, Chisora is like. Chisora <laughs> has been like April British boxing for like 15 years at this point. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, he's uh, he, he's almost his career is almost as old as Oliver. Yeah, honestly. Oh, he's older. If we're being honest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's, uh, let's leave Chisora alone. <laughs> uh, Mark Magsayo is defending his uh, WBC featherweight belt against Ray Vargas coming up from 122. I've been pretty vocal about this, but I think Vargas is going to take that title. I just think he's, the size might be uh, the, the big thing there. I think Vargas has decent power. He's pretty fundamentally sound. I know he's been out. What, did he break his leg? Something like that. Motorcycle accident. I'm not sure if he's had another fight since he's come back because I know he's been like in recess or champion in recess. But expecting him to put on a great performance, I think the fight will be close early on. But I'm expecting a like round eight, round nine stoppage. RG, can you make a case for Maxayo getting the win? I actually do think Maxayo 
I'm not gonna lie. Um, I'm not like a, I'm not like a Vargas expert. I've seen like just a few moments. Um, I just feel like, to be fair, I, th I think Max Ayo will win a very like controversial decision. To be honest, I just think Max Ayo will probably be the aggressor for most of it. He'll probably get outboxed for like a lot of rounds, and maybe will deserve to lose the decision. But I just kind of get the feeling that he's going to get the nod. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like his style is going to be a little more convincing. I just, I can just see Vargas like not necessarily because Max Ayo is better than Vargas, but I can just see Vargas like pissing. More than anything, but Mac Bio is like 100% gonna lose that belt. Fights, no doubt. Stylistically, you did nail it on the head with the he might get if it goes to a decision, he might get the nod if it's close. Uh, Max Io is a little bit more aggressive and uh, he's like crowd pleasing, so he throws stuff that you would like to see, even if it's not necessarily a scoring shot. Whereas Ray Vargas is uh, a little bit more mobile, he fights long and it's not very exciting to watch. So he'll probably land the more quality punches, but the more aesthetically pleasing and convincing to the eye would probably be coming from Maxayo. Personally, if Vargas can keep away and you know stay mobile, keep him at the end of his at the end of his reach, then I don't I don't see a way for Maxayo to win if he can't break the distance. And I'll, I'll mention that Vargas has an advantage with it being in San Antonio with the Texas style judges. I just feel it's going to be very pro-Mexican fan, and that should like help him if it goes all 12. Like I don't see him losing a decision if it does. Unless he's getting completely outboxed, he's going to be doing for a, a big statement win. I just want to encourage everyone to look at the video of Mark, not because it's really relevant, but of Max Ayo's KO Julio Seja. Definitely the craziest knockout I saw last year. Don't think that anything like that will happen in this fight, but... Just giving him a shout out for that one. And on the co-main, Brandon Figueroa comes home against my guy Carlos Castro, a 126 WBC eliminator. Uh, let's have RG start with this one. Who are you picking? Make your case. Um, I'm not. I haven't really seen much Castro. I only saw him against Mary. I kind of think Figueroa will, will break him down, probably stop him late. Not a lot of people, but some people were a little sus on Figueroa moving up because him being like a unit was just such a factor, like his success at 122. But I mean, how big is Castro? I, I don't really have a reference for how big Castro is. I can't really remember like relatively very how big he was. The size will still be a factor at 126, I think, in most fights. He's and more than seven. the size, I think he's just style. 5'7". He's 5'7". To Figueroa's 5'8". Okay, yeah, so they're about the same size, actually. But yeah. I, I think more than size, it's just like Figueroa's style. Like, eventually Figueroa will expire, but I don't know if that time is is now, and I don't know if Castro is necessarily the guy. So I think when Figueroa loses, it's because he'll just get bombed to the chin, to be honest. Like, he'll just take one shot too many, he'll just go out, like fucking Paul Williams or something. His punch resistance fades. Well, because he uses yeah. that, like, imposing stalker type style. Yeah, it'll, it'll be very quick, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's his time yet. It's reminiscent so, yeah, of the yeah, a little bit, a little bit hardish for sure. Definitely a little hardish. Uh, let's see, Aura, do you can you make a case for Castro? Not really, just because I'm picking Figueroa for this fight too. I've thought for a while that 126 would be the perfect division for him. I, I think the move up will be a good thing for him in his career. I think he could last there a little bit. And honestly, if they could ever make it. I want to see Figueroa versus Leo Santa Cruz eventually, maybe as a passing of the torch kind of fight, if he could get past Cruz. As far as a Castro fight, I think he's gonna 
I think he's just going to be too much for him, and I don't think he's going to stop him, but it'll probably be a 117-ish, 111 kind of decision win. Well, I'm going to have to go contrarian here again. Got a ride for my boy. Castro stops him in one. Eat shit, Figueroa. Castro has... I obviously don't really believe that. Um, he kind of negates the, the height reach advantage a lot more than a lot of Figueroa's previous opponents. So that's okay. He's a good boxer puncher. Good, um, let's see, good setups. Uh, uses a jab to set up, like, a, sets it up upstairs to land some good body shots, which he did a lot more when he was with top rank. But he's gotten better still. He was still he's still been improving, and I'm hopeful that he can weather the early storm. Being from Phoenix, he can handle the heat, and Big Aroa's going down within 45 seconds of the opening bell. That's a Stu Mac prediction right there. <laughs> nah, I'm, it's unfortunate. Uh, I, As much as I want Castro to win, I don't really see it happening. I think like an 8-4 Figueroa is like his, probably his best scenario. I respect for picking the, the Phoenix guy, the Phoenixera, as uh, David Benedictus calls it. Um, I think that's it for previews. Uh, let's see. Final notes. The Broner-Omar Figueroa card. Oh, RG was excited about this one. Yeah, it's our card of the year. Um, easily. It, it is a good card, for sure. <laughs> yeah, card of the year is a joke. But I, do, I do like that card. I mean, all three of the... the man, that's the thing about, I love about Showtime. Like, if you watch Top Rank, or if you watch, like, Astra, or, like, Golden Boy, it'll be, like, a 10-fight undercard. You don't give a fuck about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Showtime hits you with fights you care about. Period. You'll be there for an hour and a half, see some good boxing, be done with your night. Doubles, doubles I want to watch all three of those fights. Yeah, I'll watch all three of them. I'll enjoy all three of them. It'll be great. The main, I think another reason I really like that card, it's really like cleaning up a lot of blockage. Yeah. Like the 140 WBA situation getting solved. Champion, the weird ass, the reservation shit is over. The 130, the WBA split, it's getting solved. I love it. I'm into the number, all that weird shit. Unless it's like two draws or I'm really interested to see uh, Hector Garcia because I, I was there for him beating Colbert and uh, yeah that that, he won that, a was, that was a crazy come up performance yeah that was a crazy like statement performance you just like beat the shit out of Colbert like that easy when I was talking to him after the fight like he was adamant like I don't give a shit about rematching Colbert I don't want to fight Colbert I want to I want the title from from Gutierrez I, that's what I want I, if if I get it, which I he obviously strongly believed he did, he would. He's I don't well then I can fight Colbert again then, but I'll just beat him again anyway. So what does it matter? If I they Colbert definitely is not gonna run that one back. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that's that. Orenthal. Oh yeah, for that card, the main event like it is what it is. It's like a meme fight at this point, but. Yeah, like you guys mentioned, it's just like, it's a pretty, in a sense, stacked card because like Showtime, uh, as you guys mentioned, like usually gives you something that you want to watch throughout the night. They usually pack their triple headers. They, that's where their selling point is anytime it's like the normal Showtime. It's triple header, night of action, and it's usually One prospect two or three good fights that you want to see. Yeah, and that's been their formula like the last couple of years where it makes you want to tune in from the beginning and not just... Oh, let me flick to the channel, see if the main event's on. Nope. Flick back on. Like, you want to watch the whole night. 
Yeah, Bob Arum's uh, No One Gives a Shit About Undercards. Uh, to be honest, on this one, I care mostly about the Gutierrez-Garcia fight. No one cares about top rank undercards. <laughs> yeah, because they fucking suck. Yeah, he just, like, bloats them. Like, if you bloat them, like, once you fight someone wants to watch, 100%. I actually it's think the Showtime... the same thing. Yeah, like, yeah. where it's just, like, prospects knocking out absolutely nobody, and that's pretty much all their undercard is. Yeah, the Showtime model is, like, perfect for the viewing experience, but, like, it's obviously unsustainable for, like, boxing as, like, an ecosystem. Like, you need, you need like, these big-ass undercards so all these guys can get fights and get experience and get paid. Like, that's obviously just the reality. But as a viewer, like, those three fight, you know, all have some reason to be there. Undercards, those, those are great. So, yeah, we're super excited for that shit. Anytime there's a Showtime card, pretty much almost anytime, it's always some good shit. And Broner's back. For sure, yeah. I really did not think you'd be back on Showtime. So that, that kind of surprised me. Yeah, and I'm not sure who who I'm picking for that fight. Like, Figueroa pretty much looked like he had, like, no more heart in it when Ugas was beating him up. Like, he just looked like he was done. Even before then, like, his outside troubles, the DUI, the drinking. Like, he just hasn't had his head in boxing for a while now, it seems. And Broner, he looks like shit so well. Yeah, it's kind of like a, not, I wouldn't even say a crossroads fight, but like a back alley fight. Like, it's yeah. guys that you know, but like, what's really the point? Yeah, it's kind of like no matter who wins, like they don't really have like a next step that makes any sense. I mean, if Broner is like actually, if he like cares as much as he's like portraying, which like he always does, like in his last like four comebacks. Yeah, but if, if I mean, he probably will beat Figueroa, but I, if if I was like, if it was like Pickums, I would, I would probably take Figueroa, honestly. I mean, he would get, uh, like, Broner at, like, his best would obviously clown on Figueroa. Yeah. I think those, those days like, are long over. Yeah, I think he's, like, just, I don't know. I mean, it is a good fight because Omar is another guy who, like, looks like he could lose any fight. But I don't know. I'm just, like, done, like, ever picking Broner to win a fight, to be honest. Yeah, it's been, what, like, seven years straight of this story of Broner. I'm back. I'm focused. I want to get back to the top. I won't let no one down this time. I gotta be I'm a bring my best. for these kids. The modern Browner after Mikey, it just really felt like he really didn't give a fuck. Uh, and even in the Mikey, he just got shit on. Yeah, he got. I thought he got 12 0'd. At most, he got one round. That was pretty terrible. And I remember that card, those cards being a little bit closer. I think two of them were like 116, 112. I think yep. I pretty much had a, either 11 or 1 or 12 0, but. It wasn't close. 117, 111 was the widest. Um, I think that's all we got. We caught up. We had about almost two weeks of one, one more thing. Hmm? One more thing. The GOATs. The British GOATs. Sky Sports. have secured oh, the ride. Big news. Anthony Alexander Usyk. That really is just a crazy situation, honestly. It's kind of like, the zone's like, yeah, dude, exclusive deal. We got him. He's he's on the zone now, but not but not the biggest fight of his career. <laughs> could could end him as a top fight, not that one, but all the ones after that. He probably is not gonna have any fights. It's like, I mean, how many fights is he gonna have? If like, let's say Usyk beats him, I think all of us think Usyk's gonna win the rematch, possibly by stopping. But if, especially if Usyk stops him, what's Joshua gonna fight? Oh, he's fucking done. Three, four more times. Vice like, Chisora, yeah. I guess. Yeah, like yeah, I just don't know like where they go from here. It just seems like the zone is like the main. It just seems like they 
completely fucked. Like they just got fucked sideways. Like there's just no way to look at it. Like they were forced to bid on a fight for a fighter they allegedly have just signed an exclusive deal for. And like, I don't know. It's just it's just a really strange thing. Like uh, boxing is the only sport where weird shit like this could happen. It's like what if I don't know Fox was like, okay, we have the rights for the NHL playoffs, okay, but this year they're gonna be on ESPN. It's like what the fuck are you talking about? Like that would never happen in any other sport than boxing. Like why? Yeah, why you did have her, a lawsuit right away? Yeah, like why did Hearn even have the liberty to like sell the TV rights? Like I, I don't, I just don't even understand. But I, it is funny for sure that this guy just keeps, just keeps fucking. <gasps> like a lot of people thought like Hearn leaving was like the death of Sky, dude. I don't know. It's starting to not look that way. Don't yeah, and like I was gonna say, where where is AJ hunger if he does lose his fight? Like, he's getting all his money. He's already lost to yeah. this guy twice. Like, is he gonna? I don't see him as a Chisora type, where he's gonna just want to keep fighting, fighting just for the fans, the legacy of it. He might just pack up his bags, call it quits. I think he'll have a couple. I don't think he'll leave. I don't think he'll uh, retire on a loss. I just think that's something. Yeah, yeah he'll take a not, couple. Not parallels. necessarily. Yeah, I was gonna say not necessarily retire after this fight, but mainly like he'll probably get like one or two more big money fights and then call it good after that. Chisora yeah, is the perfect one. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see like how they try and rebuild him, assuming he does lose. But you can't really give him complete shitters. Like honestly, like yeah, it's yeah. just it doesn't really work. Like he's just at a certain level where you need a certain level of opponent to like match it, or else it just looks like, or else you're just burning money basically. So I don't know who that, maybe Joyce or somebody. I, let's yeah, I assume, say Joyce. Let's assume that AJ loses. Is the Wilder fight still viable? Um, as a so. as a money spinner. Oh yeah, yeah, it'll it'll make a lot of money for sure. But I don't think it's viable. Is in like meaning it makes it to happen. You know. Yeah. Like I, st- I still just don't think like I don't know. It's still just a fuck ton of money that has to be like ponied up, and it's still like a like both guys if, at this point taken. Assuming he loses, he would have. They both would have taken two definitive losses. Like Water was taking two losses to Fury, Joshua two to Usyk. So it's not like one has really clearly taken the upper hand. You know what I mean? Like who who accepts the the ace? Like I don't know. I still feel like all the roadblocks that were there four years ago are still there. Yeah, I think there's even more now with him being actually exclusive after this next fight. Yeah, that, that's also Good. true. Like yeah, Water, like Water and his retirement fight's gonna go to Dizona. Doubtful. Like the zone, and then Wilder's pretty much like Fox, Showtime, whichever one. Like, unless they decide to get like some Saudi money, and then it's like a deal that Wilder can't resist. Like, I just don't see those TV rights, A side, B side, thing getting solved. Uh, it's probably gonna get me beheaded. Don't fucking believe anything that anybody's saying about Saudi Arabia changing. Yeah, yeah. I just wish, like, I don't know, it's just. Hearn puts himself in these positions, but they, he definitely needs like a. I think he's the type of guy who's like, oh, I'll come up with something to say. Like, you definitely need a PR team. Like, you definitely need somebody to train you on how to respond. Because, like, he had a quote that was like, the UK could learn a couple things from Saudi Arabia. It's like, dude, what are you talking about? <laughs> how bad are you willing to, like, show your ass for that, that, that oil money, bro? Yeah. I would use that as, like, the perfect example of somebody selling their soul. He's a very, he's a, just a huge narcissist, to be honest. Like, that's just, that's just what it is. On one hand, I, I can see the money thing. Like, he's getting his money. Like, I'm not going to hate it, hate him on that. But just that one quote, when, when was it? Like, after the, before the Ruiz fight, the first one where he's like, AJ's coming home. 
he's gonna be exclusively in England, whatever, and then the next fight's in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, yeah, like what? Well, there was that really like famous, like it was like a meme, like that graphic they released where it's like boxing's coming home. Like AJ has two fights in the UK in 2019, and then <laughs> he ends up fighting Ruiz. Like he ends up well, even before the Ruiz thing happens, they schedule him to fight Miller in New York. It's like what happened to that? He was supposed to fight like White in April or something, like in Wembley. Like he, it's just constant like promises with AJ that like never happened, and it's not really. AJ's fault, but I mean, it, it is a bad look for sure. And that's what's funny that the like British fans eat it up, where they're like, "Oh, he's all about England. He's all about the people here. He keeps telling us how much he cares about us." And then at the same time, he's just selling out every fight, selling it to Saudi Arabia. No one able to travel to that or get good tickets for that. It's, it's just a bit shit show, like. I, I respect him for getting his money, but at the same time, it's hilarious how people eat up all the stuff that he says and that he does the opposite thing of it. Well, is this, is this where we cut it? Thanks again for hanging out with us today. Uh, if you heard something that we said that just really bothers you, I want you to call 833-772-6964 and uh, let it rain. And if it's spicy enough, we'll put it on the show. Uh, if you want to connect with us on social media or any other way, you can go to beacons.ai slash lvxboxing. And uh, that has everything you'll need to get in touch.